Well, you're absolutely right about that. The following presentation is brought to you by Ace Electric, your ace in the hole for all your residential and commercial electric needs. Contact Alan Shively with Ace Electric. They're great. Well, if I didn't fuck up that intro, good morning, afternoon, evening, or ask crack a dawn to your race fans, and welcome back into another episode of Roland Race News. Today, we're on location outside of the billiard barn, hanging out over at the SLS headquarters with a guy that's a little overdue to get on the show, finally made it over to hang out with Stu Snyder. Stu, how the hell have you been? Well, I think you overspoke a little bit with our motorsports headquarters. Hell, it's just a two-stall. <laughs> bigger than my shed but no it, we've been good it's been kind of a mild winter so that was a plus and just been out here building cars and trying to get ready for next year well hell yeah i mean i've talked to you a little bit more than most about kind of the direction that i want to get this podcast going so let's kind of kick back and just have some fun let the folks know how you got started and involved in racing i know that you've been kind of around it a long time yeah um that's my way of calling you old. Yeah, thanks, bud. Yeah, just keep getting older every year. Body keeps hurting even more. Um, when I was a little kid, I used to hang out uh, with my dad over there at Easy Racing with Ron Love and the Love family, um, building micros and, and watching him and, and trying to learn as much as I could from him. And when I got a little older, we uh, I started working with John Gablehouse and Mike Gablehouse more and more and got them going kind of from the micro stuff over into the sprint car stuff and became their crew chief at the age of 14 and um from there you know i mean i worked side by side with my dad when he was uh helping jeff lowry back in the day and and working with him and you know just trying to learn from you know as many people as i could and do as much different stuff as i could um started driving in 2002 i think was my first sprint car race which i was underage and we kept trying to bounce around at tracks that didn't have insurance uh, coverage so I could race because I couldn't run Eagle. I was way too young. Wow, I guess I never knew that part of it. Uh, what was? I know that the ages have kind of dropped with IMCA lower in the age to 14 and everything. So how old were you when you first turned laps? I was 14. I was right at, right at 14, and I didn't run um, competitively at Eagle until, of course, I was 16. Which uh, you know, back back in those days, running competitively at, at Eagle was forty-five or fifty of the toughest guys in the Midwest every single Saturday night. And I always joked that we were good everywhere else, but when I come to Eagle, I just get my teeth my teeth kicked in, and we'd end up running a lot of B features and a, a lot of uh, I guess a, not really a frustration, but you know, you just get down on yourself that well. Why, how can I race everywhere else really good and make the shows and, and run top 10s and I come here and we can't even put the thing in the feature and run 20th. But I guess at the time, that was just, you know, that's where everybody went. That's where it was it was super tough every Saturday night. That's the hard place to cut your teeth that kind of gets you where you're going today. So um, the early years, let's keep talking a little bit about those. As you got past the rookie season and got to run around Eagle more, it seems like you kind of came home, but... Always have been a road dog too, kind of always doing it all. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we ran all over the place trying to race as many races as I could, you know, when I was super young. And then um, we ran Eagle, I think 2003 was the first full year that we were able to run Eagle. 
Um, and, and then we also ran that Eagle Sprint Touring Series and did really, really good in that deal, you know, probably just because it was different racetracks. And Eagle was just tough, you know, it's just a tough track to learn. Um, hell, guys that are, have been doing it for five or ten years, they even tell you, man, this place is still tough. There's some that, that don't even have wins, and they've been running there their whole their whole career, you know, over the years, and it's just a tough joint. But we started doing that, and then uh, 2004, we went on the road full-time with the NCRA, and I think we ran like 70-some races that summer. And, you know, I was in my, my suit more than I was in my street clothes and just just had a lot of fun and raced on a lot of different racetracks. And, and I, I kind of pushed that with some of these younger kids coming into the game that, you know, you don't want to run the same place every week. If you want to get good at this and not waste everybody's time and, and effort and money like that, if you want to be good at it, you need to go out. You know, I guess not really wasting people's time, but if you want to make a career out of it or go somewhere with it maybe someday, you know, you, you got to run different racetracks. That's all. That's that's plain and simple. You have to. You ask anybody that's at the top level and they'll tell you, the only reason I got good at this was because we ran – you know, 40 or 50 different racetracks a year. That's just insane, but such a good point, you know, doing it one night a week. Yeah. You're going to get better and better where you're at, but what happens when the time comes where you do have to go to that next place and prove yourself? Well, yeah. And it's, it's not only, I guess, as the driver of the, of the, you know, the car getting better, but it's just the team aspect of it too. And and the way that, that you set the car up, you know, if you continue to set the car up every single night the same way and you're, you're having good results where you're racing every single week at the same place, that's great. But all that stuff more than likely isn't going to work at a different racetrack. And and it's it also helps your team be able to point things out to you at different racetracks. Or even when you come back home, you know, say to Eagle Raceway, hey, you know, we raced somewhere last night where the track kind of looked like this, but it ended up, you know, finishing off with, with this type of surface. You know, maybe we should try what we tried there. Or maybe we should look look further past just doing the same stuff. Yeah, the road is definitely made for team building, especially when you got to ride with five of the same people in the same truck three, four, five nights a week. Yeah, for sure. And then you add a couple kids into the mix and it uh it definitely uh gets gets people real close like family pretty quick riding up down the highway i think we we recently just did our taxes with Lutton law out in greenwood or ashland and uh katrina we we handed her our our log our mile log for the for the toter and i think it was almost nine ninety seven hundred miles in one year is what we put on and that that'll definitely get the team a little closer when you're doing stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how many wins did you end up picking off this year? Not to fast forward through the career and everything, but I was always confused if it was eleven or thirteen. This year was fourteen. Uh, last year was nine. Year before that, I think we had three, maybe. But uh, you know, Denison was really good to me this year. We got a lot there right in a row at Denison, and I I really liked that place and. It's it's been good to me the last few years. A couple of years ago on my birthday, it wasn't very good to me. But um, ever since we started going back over there with the three hundred five, it's been pretty good to us. So we had quite a few wins there. But I could say we only had two race tracks that we raced at this year that I didn't win at, and I'm we're going to. Where that's Belleville and that's Houston's. And obviously, you know, growing up at Belleville, I want to win Belleville really bad. I don't care if it's a I don't care at this point if it's a scooter race. We're going to win at Belleville and something. 
And, uh, you know, then Hughes hits there, just a lot of history at that place. And Man, that I, I can't say enough about Hughes. I've only gotten to go the one time, but it is just so incredible to ride down that road and just see this fence and have no clue what's behind it. And that fence comes to an end, and you look down what looks like a mountain and see nothing yeah. but cars and campers and rigs. Yeah, you look down into like a hole almost. And then the grandstands are, are on the edge of the cliff and the track's at the bottom. And that place is and just something about it. It's, it's a fun joint. I wish it was a couple hours closer for a Sunday night, but I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that won't matter come summertime. We'll probably head up there. How old were you when you first ran down there? Oh, uh, actually, I didn't run. I think my first time at Houston's was 2012. I think was the first time there. We were we were leading the ASCS Midwest points, and we had a show at Rock Rapids, Iowa, and then we had a race at Hartford that Saturday there in Hartford, South Dakota. And we heard our motor leading the show, leading the feature uh, Friday night, kicked a rod out of it. So we thought, well, that's it. There's the season. You know, we're done. We don't need, you know, mom and dad and me and Eldon. You know, we didn't have another engine. Of course, we had cars, but, you know, at that time, having a spare 360 was, was kind of tough for a little team like ours. And uh, Ryan Bickett come over and said, hey, you, you know, we had kind of been buddies, talked, you know, at the track, you know, really not, not as close as we were about to get. Um, he come down and said, well, why don't you guys come over to our shop tonight uh, and we'll switch the engines out. You can put this motor that I have in my car in your car and I'll put my fresh motor in my car. You know, you're leading points. It'd be cool to kind of see you do that and win the championship with the ASCS. So that's what we did. And then we went on to uh, Hartford the next night, ran in the top five. And then we went, then, well, then we actually thought, well, all right, well, that's the, that's the weekend. We're going to head on home. We'll go back to your shop and we'll pull those motor out. And, you know, thanks. And, and we really appreciate it. We'll go down back home. Well, he decided Saturday night after the races, after seeing us run, I'd, you know, run good. I don't know whether it was, we were that good of friends, or he seen how good that we were running against them national guys on an open trailer. He said, uh, why don't you guys stick around? We'll wash the cars tomorrow morning. We'll drive down to Hucits there in Brandon, South Dakota. It's only about 40 minutes from here. We'll maintenance the cars at the track, and then you guys can just head on home. Because you got to run. He already knew our schedule. He goes, you got to run Cameron next Friday with this motor to keep your ASCS you know, points chase alive. And I thought, man, you know, there was, there was nothing I could really say to, to tell him how much I appreciated that. So I said, well, all right, he wants us to go to Houston's. We're going to Houston's. And I was, I was happy as hell to go to Houston's. Yeah, that's just crazy respect from somebody that you'd known literally three or four nights to yeah. go out and loan you a piece that's multiple tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, there was, there was, and that was a, that was a solid uh, ASCS Moyle 360. I mean, that was a solid piece that... He just said, "Here, you're gonna have it until you can get something figured out." So that was, that was great. And and my whole Hussets deal kind of, my love for that place started there. I'd always watched videos, but I'd never really seen it. And I got to experience the cheese fries, and then I got to experience the race car track. And I tell you, the cheese fries—they they got rid of those in the pits. We're gonna have to get a hold of Queering and see if we can't get the cheese fries back in the pits. But I don't even know that I saw them in the grandstands. Oh, but I've never man. been known for seeing. 
that was like a staple there at that place was the cheese fries. So we're going to have to get a petition going or something. But So then we go to Houston's and uh, struggled my butt off the first part of the night. Ended up getting out of the B and getting into the main, and, and we just, Dad kind of kept bugging Wolfgang. And, and Doug kind of knew who I was and had been watching us throughout the night that we were up there. And Doug comes down and gives Dad shit that he didn't listen to him. And Dad says, well, I, no, I, I swear I did what you told me to do. And he goes, well, we're going to try something. You're going to do, do this, this, and this. And we cranked like three rounds in that car down the right side and took like two rounds out of the left side. And I looked at Dad and I looked at Woofy and we were standing there looking at the car, how it was sitting. And I th- I told him, I said, I don't know if I could drive that. And Woofie just looked over and said, just shut up and stand on it. And you'll be fine. And we had a we had a red flag about 10 laps into the feature. And I had probably, I think I started, you know, I had come out of the B, so I had started towards the back. And I rolled up to Bickett. I tried to get to Bickett because the thing was kind of getting warm. And I got up next to him and, and shut the thing off. And, you know, he's he's happy. He's running second. And I think Sean McClelland, that was his first time at Houston's too. He's leading the thing. And Ryan goes, where are you running? I said, well, I'm not really worried about where I'm running. This is how hot this thing's running. He goes, oh, I don't, it'll be fine. You know, just, just drive it. As long as it has temp, it has water. And I said, well, okay. Good point. So he goes, where are you running? I said, right behind you. He goes, yeah, I know that. You started in the B. Where are you running? I said, I'm seriously, I'm on your ass. I'm running dirt. And he just laughed and, and thought that was great and, we ended up, I think we we got him with like four or five to go, and I couldn't get to Sean. We had a late restart, still couldn't get to him, ended up second. And, you know, that was my first time there. And, and kind of now it's like, well, now we got to go get that win, especially at that place. So hopefully we can get that thing done next year. We've been good every time we go there. Um, hopefully we can just finally not have to start tail end of everything and be able to get one done. Sounds like a good way to spend a Sunday. Just call me, and I'm ready to go anytime. Yeah, it's a great time, and then you load everything back up and look at the clock. Yeah. And then realize you got to be to work at 6 a.m. <laughs> Lucky for me, I get to do that. That's the only area where second shift is a really good thing, because yeah. then rolling in at 4.15 in the morning, you know, it isn't that bad. Yeah, it ain't that bad. You can take a little bit of a nap and then go and... I'd probably take a nap in the in the truck out in front of the house and then go to work. There you go. Just make sure you have all the shades open so the sunlight really blasts your ass awake. Yeah, we had a couple nights like that. We we got a 410 in 2015, and we started running that NSL tour, and we had a couple shows up there with the 410. We had a couple shows with the 360 up there. There was quite a few nights that me and my crew guy at the time, Steve Graham, we worked at Lincoln Machine together before he moved down to Arizona again, and we would just pull into the to the shop in the parking lot, shut the truck off, take a nap, and wake up at 6.45, get out of the truck, and walk right into work. There you go. Sometimes that's what it takes. So as you get older, I mean, you've always been a traveling guy. Do your favorite tracks change from, like, the 360 days through the 305 days now, or do they kind of still have the same staples? Well, I think... I think you're always going to have those favorite tracks that you want to run at no matter what you're in. Um, you know, like I, I said earlier, I really hated Houston or I hated Denison because I completely destroyed a car and ended up having to go in and get my CAT scanned and all that crap and hang out in the hospital for a few hours. Didn't even know you had a cat. Yeah. So they said it was good after the scan. So oh, perfect. I was, I was good to play. Always good to have a clean bill of cats. Yeah. 
so I, I got out of that deal, and you know, so I, I never really liked the place, but then they shortened it, and I thought, well, all right, let's 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 go back up there, and then we went up there, and now yeah, we only lost two races up there last year, and we won a lot the year before up there, too, and so I'd say it, it's a, I think it's a fun racetrack for this, you know, for the older guys, but it's a really good racetrack to teach the younger guys. You know, and, and Troy sitting here right now, he could probably say the same thing that when he went up there after I kept begging him to drive up there on a Friday afternoon and get his ass out of bed, get up there and, and enjoy it. He finally did it, and, I, he, you know, I think that he learned a lot from it. And um, You know, but you always have the the favorite favorites, the places you feel like that are home, like Eagle and I-80. And, and if, I probably would say, though, the one that tops him is Belleville just because I watched all the people that ended up, almost all of them ended up on Sunday afternoon on TV. Yeah. Winning at Belleville. That's where you kind of, you know, they say nowadays you win the Chili Bowl, you get a shot at the world. Back then, you win Belleville, you got a shot at the world. Yeah, so that's true. Belleville's that... always kind of been special to me, and that was our family trip for the year, I guess you could call it, go down there and camp and, End up working for midget teams out of California every year, just scraping mud or mountain tires. And man, how did you go to my next transition question <laughs> just like that? I let's just read let's, your mind. Yeah, let's keep talking about this. Yeah, so you can you can keep going on about Belleville for right now, but yeah, we got to right, get to California right. eventually. Yeah, yeah. So I we had been you know as a kid, we always went down there all the time, and I just got kind of bored of sitting in the grandstands. I guess that's just a product of of you know, how I was raised with the old man and everything that right. we got to be hands on, you know, on this deal. We started helping uh, Shane Scully out of, out of California. And then Jerome Rodella was kind of his little tag along at the time. Uh, one of his main crew guys that was also racing down there. So then I started helping Jerome uh, for probably three or four years. And, you know, just kind of hanging out with that California crowd down there at Belleville was always a lot of fun. Them boys were crazy. And uh, just the parties afterwards, they're, they're nuts. They'll party till the sun come up and get up the next day, do it all over again. And that I think that was back when Belleville was three nights. And you had, you know, you had a lot of cars. You had, you know, 80 to 100 cars down there. And Oh, yeah. There was some huge names on the back of that Belleville yeah, National huge shirt. Names. Huge names, a, lo- a lot of people that ended up either in IndyCar or ended up in NASCAR or ended up in the truck series or, or what have you. Whoever won there, you kind of had a you had a shot at the world. You know, you were gonna get you were gonna get some really golden opportunities and and go somewhere in motorsports if you could win that place. And it's people say it's boring. Some of them people that say it's boring probably haven't witnessed smacking the backstretch fence because you you thought it was boring and you junked all your shit in about two seconds down the backstretch into turn three and maybe out of the park. But that place, it can't, you know, it is kind of, you're not really up on the wheel, but at the same time, you're going as fast as you can possibly go in whatever you're in. I can't think of any place faster. I've ran it in a midget. Yeah, I've ran it in a midget. I've ran it in a 360. I've run it in 305. And you're literally, that is the fastest you're ever going to go in that car that you're in at the time. And, People say that Eldora's great and and a lot of these other tracks that, you know, have all this history, but, man, Belleville's, Belleville's just, it's insane how fast you go. And, 
even in these 305s, you know, we get to we get to haul an ass around there and it kind of puts you to sleep of what corner you're in because you're constantly turning the whole time. So everybody always asks, well, why do they have those? I never forget, Shane Scully actually asked us that. Well, why do they have those big numbers with those big-ass plywood pieces going into the corner with the number on it? And I, I can't remember who it was that told him. It might have been Stan Fox or or Jack Hewitt. I said, well, that's that's that tells you what corner you're in. You ever <laughs> you know? partied with Jack Hewitt? I, yeah, no, he uh, he knows. I I, never, I got a good Jack Hewitt story. I started running non-wing 410s, and we were at Eagle, and I was driving Eldon's car with uh, Bob Halfstein's motor in it. And that's Jack, who, uh, sorry, that's who Kitchen drove for for a little bit, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, Ryan drove for him a couple years after I did. And uh, Jack Jack was, I think, just hanging out and just helping a young kid kind of come up into the sport. He had done retired by then, and I think this was 2009, probably 2009, 2010. Well, probably one of the last USAC shows that Eagle had, maybe. You're getting old, Stu. Yeah, I know. Keep reminding me. But, uh, you know, I, we, I thought it was cool. I had the old flat bill hat and the big old fake ass diamond earrings in oh yeah 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 i had that california starter pack going on and and uh i had this cigarette hanging out of my mouth i'm working on my race car and uh jack hewitt you know he knew my dad real well because our nephew ran out in in bloomington he ran all the indiana tracks that's where he's from he's from bloomington and he come down and and was talking to dad and talking to me and and he says i got i got a couple things advice i'll share you and and you know how Hewitt is. You, everybody's seen the interview on YouTube. Oh yeah. If he thinks that he's going to say it, he don't give a shit who it is. He don't care if it's the Pope or the President. He's going to say what he thinks. That's right. So he goes, you get rid of those little query earrings. You want to smoke your cigarette? Smoke your cigarette in front of the truck. You want to wear a goddamn hat? Make it look like a normal bill. And and at the time, I'm like, man, you know, that was kind of a kick right in the nuts. But then you think about it, and you're like, wait a second, this is Jack Hewitt. Yeah, I can't really say anything to yeah. this guy. Yeah, like Jack Hewitt literally like knows who I am and literally just gave me probably the biggest advice, you know, personal advice that somebody could give you in the industry. And, and I think it was like a week after that, it was like, all right, well, there, there go the earrings. We'll get rid of those, and we'll bend the hat a little bit. We'll see what happens here. There, there's still some hats I got that got a flat bill on them, but... They don't they don't come out too often. And then, you know, years down the road I quit smoking, so but yeah, that was kind of his way of saying, Hey, no matter what you're doing and who you're around, there's a, there might be somebody in the background that you're not seeing that's looking at your talent on the racetrack and then looking at your talent as a person and your and, and your personality and how you perceive yourself to be around all those fans and around those you know around your crew and around the people that you're talking to at the time so if you you know if you want to make it hard on yourself you know do that but if you want to make it easier on yourself if there happens to be that person standing there and they don't they don't really agree with that kind of stuff yeah you know standing there throwing a marlboro on the ground and you've got 
Tony's Natural Recycling that's interested in sponsoring you until you flick that yeah, butt. Yeah, until you flick that butt on that ground and then stomped it out and didn't pick it back up. They're like, well, all right, we're not going to give that kid 20 grand. We're going to go move over to the yeah. guy drinking a chai latte. Yeah, we're going down the road a little bit. We'll see if we can't find another driver. So, you know, that, that was my Jack Hewitt story, and we still kind of stay in touch. Dad stays more in touch with him than I do, really. And um, You know, I, I always talk to him when I see him. But uh, I actually got a, a cool Christmas present. He had a print made up uh, of the three cars that he drove with the th- with the sixty three on them and the white with the silver wings. And um, I got that for Christmas from Jack, and that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, Dad, that's Dad got sweet. that for me, and I opened that up this year, and I thought that that's that's pretty damn cool that Jack still knows who I am and signed it and and uh, put it in a frame and. I'm going to hang it on the wall if I can get some more wall space. I keep thinking about, I've I've got a couple Crown Jewel shirts that I have one shadow box for. And that Jack Hewitt Triple Crown shirt. Is, the real Triple Crown. Yeah. The Four Crown. The real the Four, four crown? crown. Yeah, the, the real yeah, Four the Crown. Yeah, the true Four Crown shirt. <laughs> yeah. I've got an autographed one. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that that guy pulled that off that night. Um, and, and Kyle Larson did it too. But my argument is Kyle did it in three. Yeah, Hewitt did it four. You know, he 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 won all four classes in one night, which is, I mean, obviously it's probably never going to get done again. Um, yeah, they don't they don't run the mods with them anymore. So, but, uh, so the year the year that he he did it, um, they had the mods and wow, and it ended up that that of course Kyle won all three and and he's an alien. In, in the motorsports right now, I mean, there's nobody that's that's any better than than what he's got going on. But freak of nature, yeah, that's crazy. I don't have one of those t-shirts. I do have shadow boxes though, and I know a guy that can build you one. Is it you? No, no, my uncle. My oh. uncle builds them, and I actually have a, one in the in the office that's got my championship suit with Eldon, the Eldon Roden car, um, his last pack of cigarettes that he didn't get to open, and his. Uh, at the time, his, his Eagle chassis hat, picture of me and him in there. and I put that all in that shadow box, and my uncle made it for me. And then uh, Travis Fox actually just got one made for him. So we can we can get you one. All right. It's nice to know you got the shadow box hookup. Yeah, and, and they're not that expensive, even though lumber's gone up. I think it was only 125 bucks to get it. and I, Obviously, I didn't have to pay for mine. I got mine for a Christmas present, but I hung some LED uh, pop on push on lights and let the lit the thing up and just something cool to have everything that that i you know still had at eldon's and hang that suit up before it got ruined and then uh put her in the shadow box retired it and put a light on it that's pretty cool man i i can't even imagine your memorabilia pile yeah there's there's quite a few stuff there's as a kid i used to bring home bent race car parts and then i figured out the trophies and checks and Shit like that were a lot cooler than bent race car parts, but we don't have a whole lot of them laying around anymore. I normally just sign them and give them away that night to the kids, and gives I guess it gives us less to load up. But you know, thankfully in the last few last few years we haven't had to do much of that, so that's always a positive too. Yeah, that definitely always makes for a little bit smoother race night. So, um, getting out. Past the midget days, that's kind of when you started turning focus on the 305 stuff, and obviously that's kind of been nothing but good. Yeah, we, uh, you know, I we hit the ground running 
and 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 still trying to do the, a bunch of 360 stuff and you know I always I always said I don't know when I don't I can't remember the year this 305 deal come about and I'm trying to look at some of the pictures I got hanging over there on the wall is like 20 I think it 2012 been, 2013, yeah. 2013 might have been the first year cuz I was a track champion at Eagle with the 360 and and that was the year that there was still 35 to 40 cars and then I think the next year there was like 25 maybe and then the year after that, I think, was the year that he started the the Race Saver 305 program. And I always joked around that, man, they're just not sprint cars. They're just not the real deal. And so I kept pounding my ass down the highway, racing the 360 and and having some success with it. We were still winning shows, but we weren't winning. You know, we weren't jacked over winning every year, you know, getting getting up into the double digits and stuff like that. And we were consistent. But then uh, Butch Bade called me, and we were—I think we were done that year for running the 360s minus a couple specials out at out at I-80 at the end of the year. Butch called me and said, "Hey, I need I need some help, you know, working with Shaley a little bit." So I kind of worked with her for a little bit when I wasn't driving, and then he—I don't know whether it was because I helped her or whatnot. He said, "Why don't you run my other motor and come do the Race Saver Nationals at Eagle?" Just because we're talking about Shaley, fun fact for all you fans, Shaley, Stu, and I all have the exact same birthday, yep. just on different years because Stu's old. Yep, I'm just the old man of the birthday group, I guess. Um, yeah, July 24th. And I, mine's 86. I'm, I'm not sure when hers is. When's yours? 91. Oh, yeah. Well, you're, you're close. You're, but I've, I've definitely I'm reached the old, old man club sitting at 30. Yeah. That was a birthday party. Those are fun birthday parties when you turn thirty. Yeah, I hear they all. I heard they all suck after that. <laughs> yeah, they're just another day after that. But uh, maybe when you get to forty and fifty, they'll be cool. But so Butch gave me a motor, and I went down to the shop, and we we popped it in the car, and and then I went out there in hot laps, and I thought, man, you know, it just didn't really have this. You know, obviously, it doesn't have the same amount of power. It doesn't have the same amount of torque. And then the track kind of slicked up, and then we all like got in this big-ass group of slide jobs and right up next to the fence, and some of them were down on the bottom, and I'm like, oh, shit, well, this is this is all right. You know, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, things start to get real interesting. Yeah, they get really interesting. So then we started doing, you know, more of the 305 stuff and kind of less of the 360 stuff and, you know, just kind of had a lot more fun doing it. It is, it's, it's, it's a little bit cheaper. Um the the maintenance I guess on the tire programs a lot cheaper, even though we bought a lot of tires this year. But <laughs> still, it just uh, you know just the normal cost I guess to running the three hundred and sixty to the three hundred and five was a little bit cheaper and a little closer to home. And then and then you know so then okay then comes the idea well we're going to keep the three hundred and sixty. We'll always have one of those, but we'll run the three hundred and five stuff when we're not running the three hundred and sixty. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the 360 days. There's no problem with taking it back. Let's talk some more about the Elden years. Those were probably the best I ever had, and and that's I I know that for a fact. You know, we had a lot of fun driving for car owners and and Don and Shirley Beers out of Kansas City, and driving for uh, John Schmitz out of Colorado, and you know, getting the opportunity to get hired to do it was definitely cool, but. You know, Donnie kind of retired, and then I kind of started trying to do my own deal again, and and then here come Eldon, and man, that 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 guy kind of come into my life when 
my grandpa passed away the first year I drove for Eldon. And in the first year that I drove for Eldon, like the first half of the year, we just, you know, we were, we were really, we talked all the time, but, you know, he was at the race shop when I was at the shop over there in uh, Hamburg with the Holloman family. And then when my grandpa died, it was like, well, what are you doing Sunday? Well, I'm probably washing cars. Well, when you get the car wash, come over and we'll go fishing. All right. So then we kind of formed, I don't know, he just kind of took the place of my grandpa at the time when all that stuff happened to me. You know, at, at that time, I didn't really know, you know, I lost my grandpa. You know, who, who you, nobody's ever going to replace him. But Eldon kind of tried to to make sure that I had a little bit of guidance, you know, from the from that year or from that era of of a grandfather's standpoint and and you know then it was like well all right you know he kind of he stepped up when i lost my grandpa we started going fishing all the time and we started going to to town to eat all the time and him and paul had come down here and then then we kind of started talking about 2011 in the winter and what we wanted to do and you know i I knew obviously he wanted to chase a points title at eagle and i kind of told him yeah, he said, well, do we, what do we need? I said, well, we got a really good power plant. At the time, we had Wayne Lewis building our engines here in town. and Wayne, Wayne, had, Wayne was old-school engine builder. We never had really any issues with his stuff. and So I said, well, I, I, think, I think you got enough cars over there at the Holloman shop, those older Eagles that, that are sitting around. I think we could do all right with those. So we built one. And we had another one together from the previous year that we ended up using for the non-wing stuff. We built a, a, a newer, a newer. well, I guess the frame was old, but everything on that thing was brand new. Nothing wrong with doing it that way. And I, I made sure, you know, he gave me a little open trailer when I first started driving for him. And it had a little box on the front of it. And I welded a bunch of brackets and shit in there to hold everything. I could fit everything on that trailer except to... Or in that box, except a frame and a tail tank, and 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 that was just kind of the way that I knew it. You know, we had won championship with with Jeff Lowry and and Jeff Bogue and the Bogue family and my dad, and kind of knew that you know if you're going to win a championship, you can't have DNFs, you can't have uh, you know did not starts. So you got to make sure that you have everything in that trailer to be able to build another car if you have something happen. Oh, absolutely. It's all about preparation when it comes down to points racing. So we, uh, I built all these brackets, and, and Garrett and, and Nate Weiler, they all helped me. and We hung all this stuff in the trailer. We built the car. and Man, you guys looked like the Backstreet Boys back then. Yeah, we, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, you know, that, yeah, that was back in the day when, when all that shit was cool. Man, I look back now, the wife digging through boxes, cleaning the house, and they're like, what in the hell was I wearing? Amen. So then, uh, you know, we built that and and went out and and just had a really really good year. We kicked some ass and won the championship. And I we I don't think we've rarely even finished out off the front stretch that year. And and the Hallemans had a couple good nights too. We put together a good year with them and just had a lot of fun. And at the end of the year, seeing that man finally win a championship after God forty years, fifty years of trying. And always having something happen halfway through the year or on the last night or just crazy, crazy shit happened to where it would take the championship from them. That was just, that was really special to me and, and my whole family and, and the whole crew to be able to give 
back to that man that gave me an opportunity to have what I needed to be able to go out and do it. Helped you do it on the racetrack and helped you through life yeah. at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, that was uh that was a special old man. I'm I'm still dogging it. Joe Orth and all these Nebraska Sprint Car Hall of Fame board members to get him in the Hall of Fame just because he had owned a car for so long and they got all these damn stipulations and whatnot you got to do. But we're we're going to get him in there someday. I've been talking to Joe more about it here lately, how, how you know, you got to go about it formally and, and create a bio and with results and what they did. And, and then it goes before the board and then they vote and... It's kind of technical. I didn't think it was that technical. I mean, hell, if it was me, I'd just be like, all right, yeah, that guy's going in. He's he's an old guy. He won a lot of races. Uh, he won a championship. He owned a car for 50 years with two drivers for, you know, 90% of that. We're going to put him in there. So, you know, but but then, you know, we got the news um, that he had gotten sick and going up there and, and being with him as much as I could on the weekends, of course. And, you know, then he passed away, and then it was kind of like, well, all right, what do I do now? You know, I just lost, I lost my, I lost my rock. I lost my car owner. A lot of people lost a hell of a good man. And I said, well, we'll just continue to carry the number and, and you know, do as much as we can to, to keep everything going. Who yard sale? Keep his name. Yeah. <laughs> also sitting here watching Dirt Vision. <laughs> Shout out to Dirt Vision. We don't give out a lot of free ads, but they do provide a quality product. Sorry they do, they do. Off. But I, I'm still stuck on the flow thing. We talked about that last That's night. That's right. Dirt Vision kind of got expensive. The flow thing is where it's at. I can. I, I was telling. I was telling you last night. I can watch my nephew wrestle in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Reno, Nevada, and not even have to leave my couch. Well, and uh, you know, to tell the to tell the truth, Dirt Vision just took away their free audio, which kept me coming back i have no problem paying for events but i work second shift and can't look at my phone all the time so free audio was a lifesaver yeah now, that flow was, on that the was other a way hand, for you yeah flow you can't turn your screen off so if you want to watch it you got to watch it yeah but not only do you have all the other sports and everything like that but now you've got them adding more and more races and the nascar route stuff yeah and the series is that they're with now and and the price Hasn't gone up. Yeah, price stayed wood. the same. That's it's a hell of a good deal. And they have picked up a lot of different series that uh, you know that, that that I watch, and it's it's kind of nice not to have to have four different subscriptions to Ex- something. Exactly. And again, sorry to cut you off. Just had to give that quick shout out <laughs> yeah, to, the, that to the folks out. that get us through the winter. For sure, they they definitely help. They definitely make building race cars a little bit easier when you sit out here and watch the races and build some cars and. And not have to, you know, just listen to the radio or watch MTV. That's right. Because there's not really anything good on TV anymore. Exactly. No, streaming is the streaming is the way to go, whether you're talking about racing, music, TV, movies. I mean, if you don't, you know, your DVD player takes a dump on you and you got a kid that needs to watch a movie like right now. Yeah, or you're watching YouTube Kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Been there. Been yeah, there. and if it's got to be a specific movie, it's like three ninety nine to rent that thing. Yep. Three ninety nine yeah, for two hours of, of parental silence. We get a lot of blippy on the i on the iPad. I don't even know what a blippy is. Well, it's it's a guy no kid life that has a a very colorful outfit, and 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 I don't even know what he does. But 
the kids sure as hell do like him, and Cruz likes watching him, and he learns a little bit too, so that's all right. I'll I'll let him watch, you know, something that'll teach him a little bit at the same time. But we try to to limit the iPod or the iPad time when it becomes just games. You know, if you're gonna watch it and sit there like a zombie, we want you to learn something at least. Exactly. That's I, it's funny. I was talking to Troy about music versus podcast you know you can listen to music all day long and not learn a damn thing and you put on a podcast and it doesn't matter what it's about you're learning about something at least even if it's just another person yeah for sure for sure i gotta build a little heat build a little heat this is a little cold oh okay Right, you'll be all right. You won't, got burn, the, you won't burn down. Got the fancy heater system in here. Yeah. Oh, I know what's going to happen next. I already, I already blew myself up one time at, at Jack Dover's house, and, and that didn't go over well with, with a lot of people and the parents. And so we, we got a little smarter now. Well, you know, we might as well transfer to the injury portion of the show. <laughs> where, where do you want to start with that? Yeah, well, on-track injuries or off-track injuries, that's... Well, hell, why not both? You know, nor- normally the, uh, the off-track injuries at the time when I was younger were Jack Daniels influenced. So uh, I don't Imagine drink any that. Jack Daniels anymore. Switched over to the Crown Royal? Yeah, switch to the Crown. Don't mix it. Just put ice on it. It's the only way to do it. I don't even do that. And then uh, on track, man, that's, uh, that's a long, that's kind of a long list. It can be. Um, a sad series of unfortunate events. Yeah, had a, had a few head injuries, probably more than you should, a normal person should have. Had a few of those. Um, had some ribs broke and, uh, blew a drive line out of a car at McCool, blew the floor pan out at the same time, broke some bones in my foot. Man, that has always been my biggest concern when it comes to thinking about getting in a sprint car is one of those drive shaft deals. Yeah. And they've, they've kind of made it a little safer these days with the scatter proof, uh, ball housings and the scatter proof shields that you can buy now. So I wish they had them when I got hurt. Is that a seat on? No, it just kind of wraps around the drive line, um, a stainless steel piece, and and kind of keeps that stuff from scattering into your feet when it breaks. It was just a ball housing joke. <laughs> now, now I got where you're going with that. Took me a minute, but uh, and then in 2012 I had a really good one, where I ended up in uh, KU Med for I think two weeks, an ICU and a coma. For I think most of it, uh, broke my neck, broke my back, my skull, my collarbone, bruised, bruised one lung, collapsed another lung. Man, I was just I was just really beat up. Three brain bleeds, three skull fractures. I mean, I, I did it up good. All in one accident. Yeah, one crash. Got got to ride in a helicopter that I. That I always joke about that we paid twenty six thousand dollars for at the time, and I don't even remember the damn ride. Um, yeah, those helicopter rides—they don't fuck around. I—I I mean, Layton had to deal with that, and I saw that bill in person and about fell over. Yeah, they're not cheap. They're not cheap at all. And I mean, I just went from—I uh, just went from St. Joe over to to Kansas City. I mean, I couldn't imagine taking one, you know, more than that. I mean, shit, that was all twenty six thousand dollars at the time, 
And I, mean, I don't know what they had, you know, what they had to do to me in the helicopter. I, I know I, they said that I had died once, but come back, still here. Um, dealt with all those injuries and been fortunate since. Took a couple good rides um, and, and haven't had any anything broken since since uh, since that day, August fifth, two thousand twelve. Man, it's hard to believe that it's been that long ago. By the way. Um, if you don't want to, you know, let's let's stay out of helicopters. If you're going to get up in the air, let's go skydiving. Yeah, that's I've seen only you like three hundred bucks. I seen you did that down there in Vegas, and I, I kind of want to do it now. That I've always wanted to do it. I joked with you. I want to do it without the parachute and have somebody hook up to me halfway down when it's time to get connected back to the guy with the parachute. I think that'd be a blast. But then then I had my son and. That kind of slows that you down a little bit. Changed a little bit. Like I, I would for sure jump out of one now with the parachute, or at least hook to a guy that has the parachute. As long as the chute's involved. Yeah, you got to have that for sure. I don't think you're going to land very good without it. Definitely, probably wouldn't have breakfast the next day. But, but no, it's it's been a, I don't know. It's it's been a lot of fun over the years, and I've got to drive for a lot of great people. Uh, you know, here recently. You know, speaking on the 305 deal, getting to drive for for Roger Love and and the Love family and Allie Love and all those all those people is is pretty damn sweet because I started as a little kid drawing pictures in Ron's shop when he was building micros at Easy Racing off a of 33rd and Hitchcock there in his parents' three stall garage. I spent a lot of time there and as a kid and as a really young kid and then you know getting to to go back and work out of there the first couple of years. And then when we had crews, it was just a little bit easier to have the love car here at our house with our car and kind of put them all under the same roof, made it a little bit easier. But, you know, being able to, to work out of that shop and win out of that shop and then continue the, the love, I guess, winning tradition. Cause man, when Ron and, and even Matt were running the, the micros, they were winning everything. You know, Wavelink, they, they owned Wavelink. You know, Love Love uh the Love family won a lot of races there and won a lot of other races too on the road with the I think back then it was two fifty singles or two fifty A class and then Matt was in the started in the B class, which I think was a one twenty five and then moved up to the multis, which is now the you know, the six hundred outlaw class. Yep. Um but that's what that was back then and you know they they had a lot of history and that was just really really neat to be able to to get that phone call and we actually went to an Applebee's and and sat down and worked it all out and nothing I've, more I've American been, than that yeah yeah you you got to have the Fiesta lime chicken with a with a drink and and a side salad with ranch no no uh, bread crumble cube what the hell is that called a crouton and they're yeah, fucking crouton, delicious. No. <laughs> No, those things are horrible. No, they're awesome. If you I wanted get them to eat three week old bread, I would have went to like my grandma's house, my back in the day, because she used to make stuff like that. And sometimes it'd come out really, really brick hard, and or or the the carrot cake or the pound cake or whatever the hell that thing's called. <coughs> that's that's no croutons don't belong on salad, dude. Croutons are all. I'm telling you, you got to go to Super Saver on the top shelf. They got the best choice brand. It's like three <laughs> cheese and garlic. Oh, I'll, I'll eat them fuckers oh, like potato shit. chips. 
So we we've worked all that out there, and and then you know thank thankfully I've been driving for him since. We got uh, we got my engine in his car, and I mean it's just it's going really well. Hopefully we can keep it going, and we'll see see where it takes us. We don't I don't know how many years I got left in me. I don't know how many years he's got left in him, but we'll uh, we'll keep going as long as we can, and probably until my little guy gets in one, and then I'll have to maybe retire just to some special events or. Well, before we start talking about that, I mean. <coughs> You've just about done it all. I mean, n- regular non-wing stuff, USAC non-wing stuff, midgets, 305s, 360s, 410s. You know, what are your... I, I know that off mic we've talked about kind of the number of years. You don't have to get real specific, but what do you really want to do between now and when cruise gets rolling and you have to kind of change your idea? And is there at least one non-wing show involved? Yeah, I I to the non-wing thing. I think there'll be there'll be a, maybe a couple more non-wing, but they won't be in the sprint car. They'll be in a midget. Um, Dad keeps talking about going and getting a midget and and running the chili bowl again. And a, I've had a little success at that place. All I have to say to your dad about that is, you won't, you won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I dare you. Yeah, you won't push him to do it for sure. But he keeps talking about it, and I. I uh, I want to go back to that place too. That place is really really fun, and just the whole atmosphere and the whole week is pretty damn sweet. So we might we might end up back in one of them. You know, I did a I did a non wing race last year in a, in a midget at Belleville, and oh yeah, there yeah, was that. Yeah, then there was that, and that didn't turn out too well. Um, but, but the next night did. The next night was decent. I think I was still trying to recoup and and get my shit straight from the night before, but. I know for sure I did set an an altitude record out of the little track at Belleville in a midget. So that then there's that. At least I could say I won something that night. But when I told you to the front or to the hospital, it wasn't supposed to be literal. Yeah, exactly. I uh, yeah, I I took it out of the park in hot laps. I mean that was that was uh, I think that's a record in itself. But now I I felt real bad for for Ryan Order and, and his team. They kind of gave me the shot to drive it. And, I, I wish we could have spent a little more time going through it and working on some things, and instead of just kind of being, you know, not enough time and just hopping in it. Hey, let's go race, you know. So, so that didn't go very well. But no, I, I think uh, doing some midget stuff, it still it still excites me. I'd still like to do some of that stuff. We're actually trying to uh, pin down a way to be able to run a 410 car next year in our car. With some 360 stuff as well, just mainly at I-80, running those last eight races. I was going to say, yeah, you got to show love for yeah. the final season. I will, there. I will bust my ass to make sure if if Myers, if we can't get mine put back together in time, that we've got you know, because right now we're waiting on parts, as every engine builder is in the country. I will make sure I find an engine and I'll be at those eight races. I'll I'll do everything I can possibly do to make sure I'm there. And, and then, uh, I don't just, know, try and mix in some 410 stuff, and then obviously the 305 thing. Just a guy that's going to do it all. I'm going to try and do it all again, at least one more year, maybe two, and then uh, see what little guy wants to do. I mean, hell, if he wants to play baseball, I'll keep driving race car off and on. That's fine with me. But I don't think he's going to. Yeah. <laughs> because every everybody always kids me, like, man, all your Snapchat videos, he's either standing on top of his roadster or, or the couch or the table with a trophy in his hand yelling and screaming like there's 
you know, trophy girls in front of him. So I'm pretty sure we're going to race something. It's just a matter of when and, and what he wants to to run and, and I guess what I want to put him in. You know, I, I, I'm i I'm fairly certain he's going to be a race car guy. So I mean, the kid's got more 164 scale cars than 305 Nationals and the Knoxville 360 Nationals combined. Yes, so he does. He's he's going to be racing something. Yeah, and, and our good buddy Mike Sosby keeps sending him up here. We got a box last week with four more in it. And I, I, uh, you know, I thank Mike for doing that and... And he loves opening up them cars and playing with them. And he, yeah, he does have a lot. And he always asks if they're me. And I say, no, we're not that cool. So I emailed the, the Acme place that builds those. And I think we would have to probably have 10, 10 drivers go in on it to be able to do it because it's 2,500 pieces Holy minimum. Shit. At five twenty-five a piece, it's like thirteen grand. Holy shit! So I know. I, I mean, I know I could sell a lot, but I'm not going to sell twenty-five hundred of them. I'm not David Gravel or Logan Shuhart or Kyle Larson or Donnie Shots. Like I'm not selling twenty-five hundred of them. Nor do I have thirteen thousand dollars to put down on twenty-five hundred sixty-fourth scale sprint cars. So. I mean, do you think that, uh, realistically, do you think you could get through 250 of them? I think we could get through 250 of them. I think so. I mean, I, we just put up those those uh, sideboards that, that Harris Decals had, made made one for us just to kind of see. I we were talking about Josh. it, and, and boom, you know, here come this little sideboard idea, and, and he made one, and hell, we sold 35 of them, and it was only on there for like three hours. So and I think during we the off-season. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and we're in the off season. You know, so. you get to the racetrack, you can at least double that number on the first night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they're not super expensive to buy, and neither are these cars. But you know, I've got to maybe figure out how to get some more people in, involved well, and interested in it. I'm thinking about you know some regular front stretch guys or any guys at Eagle. Really, I mean, you're really popular around the area. Tyler Drukey, Joey Danley. Clean Gene, he's yeah, pretty popular. Gene, Trevor, I, I think you get yeah, Trevor. I mean, the we list really sell. goes on and no, on. No, we could get there. some with the old balls, world famous on the top wing for old balls. Yeah, there Toby, you go. We get Toby involved in it, and yeah, no, it. I think we could do it. I, I, uh, I think we could sell them. Hell, we'd be the only ones in the country that had them at this level. That's true. You know, people kind of like that. You might just start a trend there, and that brings more business back to that company too yeah for sure maybe that, eventually that, keeps... that 2500 cars maybe they'll be like well i guess we could sweetheart you at 2000 yeah we can cut it down to where it's not that many and they don't need much they, hell they just need our graphics file well yeah hell, we and, all have that so and five and a quarter you know yeah if you turn around and sell them for 15 or 20 yeah you're making a good profit on it and and you got some fans that that have something besides a a hero card that's going to end up on the floor of the car or, or get wet and get ruined. At least this way, they got something that's pretty sweet, you know. And and that's where the wing pan, panel thing kind of came in too. I've seen a lot of people doing it, you know, with the World of Outlaws and whatnot. And I kind of bugged Josh about it last year, and then Josh Harris come out with it this year and said, "Hey, you know, what do you think of this?" And I said, "Well, shit, that's pretty cool, you know. It's all right. What do they cost? And they're they're not super expensive either." And, just something to to add to our you know our apparel line and our 
our you know our merchandise and all that you know because that stuff does help us you know we we spend a little bit of money to get it done but at the end of the day we're we're making a little bit of money off of it too to be able to go up and down the highway and put diesel in that truck because at the moment diesel ain't getting any cheaper no not currently and i don't think it's going to get any cheaper no probably not but you know like you say the wing panels are so great because they're more durable than a hero card they're going to stay good and long lasting and they don't take up a ton of space like those bent race car parts yeah yeah the bent race car part thing yeah side yeah the big side panels yeah uh oh i took one home from mark schmidt one night i think just because it was there and I got home, and at the time, I only had this little single-stall garage on the outside of an apartment. And I go to put it on the wall, and I'm like, man, this there thing might as wall. well be 12 foot long. Yeah, there went the whole wall. Yeah, we had... I know I know how big them garage them garage stalls, stalls are, too, for sure, at apartments. We, uh, me and Nate and Chase Weiler built our first owned, between the three of us, sprint car out of one of those. In 2006... At his mom and dad's apartment complex. It wasn't even our apartment complex. It was their apartment complex, and they just let us build the car in that apartment complex with one light bulb. You know, so I think that's the other thing that's kind of neat about where I've come from and who's helped me and who's been behind me for as many years as they all have. And, and you know, uh, Brandon Haichu was, was with me for the Eldon days, and... Same thing, you know. We won. We never had this fancy ass rig, and this, you know, this huge ass shop with five cars and a big old TV hanging on the wall. And it, hell, most of them didn't have bathrooms in them. You know, we I won a championship out of my mom's one stall garage uh, with with Haichu and the Weilers and Bodfield and and Eldon and my dad. We built, you know, me and Nate and Chase built our first own sprint car in an apartment complex garage with one light bulb and one of them little shitty kerosene heaters for heat i mean you know it sounds like we might have been neighbors in the same apartment i've never yeah i've I've never been the the one that's kind of been given the silver spoon but with all the people that uh yeah i mean even now we've we've got amazing equipment and we're in a two-stall garage at my house yeah burning burning methanol in a in a pan to make some heat because this little electric piece of junk won't keep up and the old LB white heater on the wall makes the house smell, so the wife don't like that one. So, oh yeah, and Maybe. I'm out of propane. So, oh okay, that was that was my next thing. Yeah. And then propane bullet heater. I've yeah, this I is actually from- really good. I've got a diesel one over there under the bench, but this one's actually really good. But having the house connected to the shop, the that propane smell goes right up in there, and then you know. Being last minute, uh, let's do this podcast. I didn't get time to go get propane, so this is what I got for you. It's, no, uh, I, I it's think not, it works just out don't great. Move the pan. Dover Dover had this. I I actually taught him how to do this. I lived in California for a couple years or for a year, and I worked for Andy Bondio and, and Jerome Rodella and at Andy's shop. This is how we heated his shop because in Cali. It's sixty, you know, it's fifty or sixty degrees overnight, but by ten o'clock or eleven, it's seventy-five, eighty-five degrees. Yeah, there's no need for a shop heater. So Andy taught me the trick of actually using old chili bowl fuel at the time to, you know, heat the whole shop. And his shop was huge, and, and we had about way cheaper than yeah, gas. It's way che- and what the hell are you gonna do with it? Dump it on the ground. 
you know, at the, at, the, at the end of the season, what are you going to do with it? Dump it on the ground? No, we'll keep that. We'll, and the fuel that's in the tank, we'll put it in the jugs and we'll use it to heat the shop. Yeah. That's... It's clean. It doesn't. The only reason it stinks is because I used that pan for other stuff. I probably shouldn't have. Gear oil and rear, yeah, rear end oil and motor oil. Probably. It, it's got a fairly pleasant it, aroma. Yeah, I mean, it smells like a race shop it, should. Yeah. And it doesn't make the house stink too bad. So, and it warms up quick. Just, yeah, like I was saying, don't move the heater. Don't kick the pan. Dover had that happen with him after I taught him the trick, and he actually almost burned down his shop. Oh. So he lost uh, lost some fuel lines and almost lost a car and almost lost the shop. So we've you got to have a specific pan, and you know it's not going to leak. He forgot to take uh, class number two in Stu Snyder's Guide to Safe Pyrotechnics. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was there for the third, uh, the third part, uh, blow yourself up, try not to blow yourself up portion. Um, that hurt, and that had a lot of skin, uh, skin issues, and got to put a bunch of pig skin on me. But it healed up pretty good. But How'd yeah, you do that? that? Was a good one. It was somebody's birthday party at his shop, and it had started raining, so the bonfire kept going out. And mind you, we're, I'm drinking Jack, so I'm I'm good. This is a reoccurring <laughs> enemy yeah, of yours. Yeah, so yeah, we don't do that at all. I'd be divorced, and somebody else be raising our kids, so I ain't gonna I ain't gonna drink Jack. But so the fire kept going out. So I asked Jack, I was like, "Hey, is the shop unlocked?" Because normally, if we had people over in a bonfire, the shop would get locked. Nobody's going in the shop. He says, "Yeah, it's here's here's where the keys at. Just lock it back up." I said, "All right." He goes, "What are you going to get?" I said, well, "I'm going to get a." a you know, jug of methanol. So I ran in the shop, got five gallons of methanol, and come out, shut the door, locked her up, hid the key, went out there and just kept the fire going. I would just pour a little bit in the cap and then throw the cap on the fire and then walk back and put the cap on the jug. Well, Dover oh, still says no. that we had some diesel that we were using to light it, and that's what trailed it back, but I don't know what trailed it back, but I threw the cap on the fire, turned around, walked back to the jug, and when I walked over to the jug, the jug blew up, and it was right under my left arm. So I had third-degree burns from my wrist to my shoulder on my left arm and from my ankle about halfway up my my calf. I had third-degree burns, and and that is the most I'd break my damn neck any day of the week before I do that again. That was the most pain I've ever felt in my entire life when they lay you down on that stainless steel bed that's no shit they do that and then they take this stainless steel brush you use in your solvent tank to clean parts that's how they get the dead skin off and the clean oh it was yeah the jack daniels was was i didn't really feel much when i got burnt but i think by the time i had gotten to the hospital that jack wasn't doing shit no more that hurt and then when they did that stainless steel brush that was that was a mess. And then you got to call the car owner the next day, and you got to say, yeah, you know how you hired me to drive your car? I'm going to have to set a week out. But I'll be back for the Nebraska Cup, which is the next week. No, I think, that was a, I think it was a month. I think we were still a month out from the Nebraska Cup. I said, that's when they think I can come back. So that's when we ended up coming back. And Yeah. So I don't think there's been a bonfire party at Dover's house since. I think I kind of ruined that for everybody. All right. Which I Troy, feel bad, but that I was mean, some pain. That was some pain for sure. Sometimes you got to ruin a party. 
I definitely Troy, you said you got it. a story? Well, it's a kind of a chili bowl story, I guess. I got a question for Stu. Oh, question for Stu. All right. He's got a pee. All right. This, this is a good rotation. I mean, this will work out perfect. I saw you sneak in the house earlier. So, joined by the live studio audience, Troy Sanford. You guys have heard him on the show before. Apparently, it's a bathroom rotation and story time. But the only trouble is, the dude he wanted to talk stories with, I guess it was his turn to go inside. (laughs) So, uh, tomorrow's the Super Bowl. Two... Nice quarterbacks. You know, it's kind of hard. Normally, you can hate on Tom Brady or at least have one quarterback to dislike. But, man, these two guys, they're just so nice. You kind of want them both to win. But in racing and in football, there can only be one. That's right. That's right. I think I got to go with Cincinnati. Cincinnati? Yeah, I'm rooting for the Bengals, too. God damn it. Now we're talking about this. I'm going to have to preview it. I might have to have a little Monday Mayhem episode or something. So here I'm going to turn the tables. Instead of you asking the questions, I got a question for you. For for me for or you? For, for me? You. Yeah. Oh, what do you shit. think uh your next race season's going to be like getting your new uh bioptic? Man, I don't know. This this is going to end up being a topic it sounds like on a lot of podcasts. I've gotten some requests to talk about it and I'm like, yeah, like everyone wants to hear. I'm not a thousand percent sure cuz I feel like what I tell you today would be completely different next Saturday after I get it. Well, that's fine. But, Just give us the update as of current. I mean, as of current, I've got a stack of $100 bills in my wallet, so I can go pay Ooh. for the other half of this deal. You had to pay half up front, and you pay the other half when you get there. I'll owe them like 55 bucks for the appointment. I just go get final fitted and... I guess pick whichever little tint drop sunglass thing that I need and... Then I pretty much go on my way. I'm going to the DMV tomorrow to reinstate the driver's license that I've never had. So we got to go give the old... Exactly. Well, you remember when I uh, had the old teeth knock out. Oh, yeah, on the moped. Yeah, the or moped. The Vespa. The moped that was considered by law enforcement to be a motorcycle. <laughs> so got me one of those no license tickets so they suspended what wasn't actually there yeah i don't even know how they pull that shit off but i don't know yeah you got one of those i remember that thing i think it was like two hours after we left your party that night that it happened or two hours before one of the two yep so yeah so you don't ride mopeds and i don't drink jack daniels that's what we learned in this podcast today. yep and i don't drink and drive yeah or what Oh, for me, it used to be Captain Morgan, man. I, I used to swear that I loved Captain Morgan, and that was like my only drink. It was Captain and Pepsi all the time. And then I got in this relationship, and <laughs> nights ended bad, like, you know. And it wasn't like a violent bad. It was like getting too drunk and falling down or getting too drunk and falling asleep. So that's when I made the switch over to whiskey and left the rum behind. Yeah, I've, I don't think I've ever been a rum guy either. I just never really got into it. I like the whiskey and just my crown. I got a Pendleton tonight. That's I couldn't afford crown. It was an extra five bucks. Did so. the wife kick you off crown? No, no, she didn't. She kicked me off Jack. She did do that. Were completely. you drinking Jack 
last year's Chili Bowl party that we had? No, your Chili Bowl party, I thought I brought... With Superman? I mean, you kind of are, allegedly. That's what they say. <laughs> yeah. Is that your Superman, Stu Snyder? Yeah, we, that's it. Yeah, thanks, Stan. He tried Caesar to uh, confirm that. that one on me. But yeah, no, I, I remember, I think I showed up with uh, a six-pack of High Lifes, and that was going well. That was going well. That's I, I a got Stu Snyder thing, right? Still, there. Yeah, I still got high the lives. high lives. I drank the high lives and the crown. That's it. And then your old man pulled the moonshine out. Oh, that's what it was. It was Some the moonshine. Of that Mississippi mud. Yeah. I tell you. Yeah. So they pulled the moonshine out, and I don't remember the A feature. Uh, It'll bite or you. Or getting home. You remember the prayer, though. I His do remember the prayer. Him getting home, though. You have I get a text to, in the next you, morning. If you haven't experienced the James Rowland prayer, you you're missing out in life. You haven't completed it yet. You got to. It's it's definitely a a fun event. It's really a bucket list item. It is. Yeah. Yeah, you get him a little lit up and you get him you get him praying, then that's that's exactly where it's Once at. Once the man starts praying, it's all over. Yeah, everybody in that building stopped yeah. that night. And the right. chili mold didn't even exist. We were all watching and listening. It was to the James, James Rowland show. Yeah, it was like church. We right. were just hammered. <laughs> but it was good. It was good. My chili bowl party this year was pretty laid back. Yep. I uh I thought I was gonna be in Mexico, so we didn't plan a party or plan to go anywhere. And then Mexico was the week after. So I I don't remember what the hell I did for it. I think I watched it on you my hung TV. Out here. Yeah. You hung out of your house. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got a question about, let's get back to racing. I got a question about <clears throat> what it's like to drive a 410 non-wing compared to a 410 wing car. So uh, people can get a little reference. Well, let's see. Give it one word, if you can, for a 410 non-wing. I'm trying to think of something funny, but I, I, an animal, but I can't. Because they're just, they're It's like nuts. driving a jack mule, huh? They're insane. You know the 410 wing is is so fast you don't have you barely have time to get a tear off and a wing slider and a 360 you get in a 410 you barely have a time to get a tear off so you can see what either you're about to hit or or where you need to be on the racetrack let alone you ain't even going to be able to grab the damn wing slider you know I guess unless you're a half mile but on little bull rings you're lucky to be able to do that um the non wing I would probably have to say ride a kangaroo across Australia. Get on his back, smack him on the ass, and try and ride it. Because <laughs> you don't know what way it's going. Where it's going to go. Or, or if the front wheels are going to be on the ground and the ass end's going to be digging in the dirt or if the, the thing's lighting the tires up trying to spin itself around. I mean, it's just, it's insane. It is. It's, it was definitely a... A big learning curve. We got. It didn't take that long for me to get fast in it, but damn, it's it's nuts. And 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 the four ten wing stuff. It kind of just depends on what track you're at. You know how big the place is. Um, as to how. I mean, granted, everything's always going to happen a lot faster, but you know, like running a four ten around Houston. <laughs> that that's insane. That is insane. You don't have time to do shit. Running a three hundred five around there, you could. You could probably get a bite of the hot dog down the back stretch. Uh, running Belleville, you could probably eat the hot dog in one lap. 
But in a four ten at Houston, you're not doing. You're your assholes puckered, and you're grabbing the steering wheel, and you're rodeoing up and going. It's it's pretty it's pretty badass for sure. The four tens are are definitely on their own level, and that's why I want to try and get back in one one more time and mm-hmm. string together fifteen. 20 races, maybe. Just run Houston's? Yeah, just run Houston's. Maybe go to Knoxville a couple of times. Maybe Jackson. But not uh, not like a weekly deal. Just kind of hit and miss. And maybe if we get if we get back to where we were, uh, kind of, fa- you know, being consistent and being fast with it, then maybe go run some some of those bigger paying shows um, at like Houston's and whatnot. And and I, I don't, I'm not ready to take the thing to Knoxville for the Knoxville Nationals, but you know, right. Maybe next year, if we still if we're able to get it done and we still have it and it's fresh, maybe we'd be able to go over there and do it. But you know that, that deal, Knoxville's a whole different ballgame. It's damn different in a three hundred and sixty, and it's way different in a four hundred and ten. Right. Um, you want to run up front there and, and run up front when those big boys come to town for nationals. You need to run there every week. Yeah. Yep. Or at and least even then, that's a, when that's a tough feat to uh, overcome. You know, running up front in Knoxville, whether it be a three hundred five, a three hundred and sixty, yeah, or anything. a four hundred and ten. I mean, anything. The competition level there is uh, far above anything else, I think. Yeah, for sure. In my personal like, opinion, not, on a weekly basis, you can't beat that kind of competition. No, no the, the competition there is crazy. And and going back to what you were saying and how tough it is, you know, we were we were winning almost every Friday night at Denison, swapping cars on the nights that we were going to go to Knoxville the next night, go to Knoxville and then get our teeth kicked in and run like 15th in the feature. Yep. It's like, dude, you know, and, and I know that it's 305 to 360, but still, it's, that kicks you right in the face no matter what the Makes you humble in. real quick. Yeah. Yep. You, you were a hero last night, and you're a damn zero tonight, and you're yep. you're still, you know, running the same cars. You're still setting them up kind of the same, mm-hmm. and you're you're fast, but right. you're not fast enough there. Right. You just ain't. So it's it's way different. They're on a different level. A whole different down. level. Yep. For sure. You know, anybody can go out there and build the baddest, you know, the most expensive sprint car and put the biggest, baddest motor in it you can buy and put some badass tires underneath of it that are brand new. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you still ain't going to go nowhere. If, yeah, if you don't know what the hell you're doing and you don't have the, the crew behind you and the setup that know, you know know what you're doing, you're going to go over there and get your ass kicked. Because yep. it's just a tricky – it's just like Eagle. It's it's just a tricky place. Yeah. You see it has a lot that of atmosphere guys, to it too, you know, like yeah, you walk well, in the yeah. gates and – you know, it's just you're kind Knoxville. Of, it's kind of daunting, yeah. Yeah, you're at the, you're at Knoxville. Yeah, the you're at the sprint car world. capital of the world. That everybody right. calls it. You think, oh, you know, this place, whatever this mm-hmm. might be, this might be. You walk in there, and, and even though you don't run there all the time, you walk in there. You're at Knoxville. Yeah. You know, you, yeah, you're, you're rolling with the trailer. Something. It's a little bit different than just rolling in. Yeah. Looking at the track you're as getting, a fan. Yeah. You're getting to do something that a lot of other people in this world dream about doing. Absolutely. And don't ever get the opportunity to do it. So. When people give me shit about standing on top of my 305 cheering with my son and my daughter and my wife and Roger and Allie and Bots and, and Gravy and everybody that's involved in that team and all of our great partners, you don't know when you're going to get to do that again. That's right. You don't know when you're going to be able to stand up on top of that wing and cheer mm-hmm. and, and be excited and, and right. be happy and, and, and all that. You're not, you're not ever going to know when that's going to happen again. No. And then you look back at it the other direction – you're getting to do something that a lot of those fans and, and a lot of those other people want to do, but they never get the chance to. And, and then in the grand scheme of things in the entire world, nobody gives a damn outside of motorsports. But, hey, at that moment, I was the fastest guy, and I won the race. And right. I'm going to make sure I try and put on an, uh, an eventful show for the 
fans when they're going to leave the racetrack to maybe they'll want to come back the next year, the next week and watch it again. So, Damn right. yeah, yeah, it's just a 305 that we've right. went that we've won in, but at the same time, you know, at that moment, you're on top of the world. Yep. Yep. It doesn't I've matter had what a, you're driving. You're similar stiff. experience to something like that. My uh, fourth <laughs> night out, I had the field cleared. You know, I had almost a straightaway lead on them, you mm-hmm. know, and then I think uh, with about eight to go, you know, I ran her into three a little too deep and stood on it, you know, and one of my dad's buddies was in town that used to help him race in all them years, and he looked at me and he said, kid, you know, uh, those uh, opportunities are damn hard to come by. And I said, what do you mean? He said, running up front like that. Yep. I never believed him until, you know, the next night, the next, you know, two weeks, three weeks later, you know, it's like, damn, he was right. You know, those opportunities don't just come by, you know, willy-nilly, you know. It's, yeah. It's something you've uh, got to take advantage of when you got the right opportunity, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, they don't come easy. You bust your ass in the shop and, and all winter building right. everything perfect. Whether it's and, 305 or whatever. It don't I matter. Mean, uh, you're still Anyone you're still kind of sitting in a rocket it. ship. That's right. Trying to control something that's oh, normally yeah. out of control. Right. Well, I mean, they all dog on the three hundred fives, but hell, I mean, we both know there's three hundred fives out there pushing five five fifty. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, they're no joke anymore. Yeah, no they, they're they're not they're not as as slow as they once were when they first come no, out. No, they're came definitely so far. They're definitely damn know, good now. And all that stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at these cars, and once we plumb them and put everything else on them. And then the last thing you do normally is drop the motor in. Um, I'm looking at these cars, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the same cars we watch online or on, on Dirt Vision on a weekend watching the World of Outlaws. The exact same it's car. It's the same shit. It's the exact same car. The only difference the is motor. we're putting a 305 engine in it. Mm-hmm. It's the only difference. And now yeah. we're, we're putting top flight 305 engines in them. Right, right. You know, so it's, No joke. Maybe that's why we're fast. Maybe that's why we're consistently fast. I, I don't know. I just know that... Dad bred it in me a long time, or beat it into me a long time ago. Time, attention, and detail. Yep. And if you want to win races, you want to win championships, you want to run up front consistently. The shit's done in the shop, in the and shop. you don't have issues at My the track. My old man always would preach that to me too. It's the only way Run you can in the do shop, it. even if it's cleaning. I don't care. Get get down the shop. Go polish some wheels. Do whatever. Go wax car. And the way I look do. at it is, you're you're kind of. You're giving back to those people that have put their name on the side of your car. Absolutely. You represent everyone that's on your car. You yeah. represent, yeah. Whether so. you have a bad night or a good night, you didn't have anything fall off of it. Yep. You know, you, you maybe missed the setup a little bit and you didn't run as good, but you know that you put in the effort to try and put that thing up front for a good showing for all those partners that are on the side of your car. Well, I think we'll give it back to James. Let him have a show back. Yeah, we'll give it back to him and see what I got to do here, picking the kids up from grandma's. I didn't realize we've been rambling this long. Yeah, I I was going to say, we're at about an hour and 25 minutes. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, I got nothing but time, but I know that you said you had to pick the kids up. Yeah, yeah, we can't, we can't do an overnighter tonight. Mom's got some stuff to do tomorrow, so she was kind enough to take them today so we could drop the toter off at... Missouri Valley to get the bathroom redone and that thing, so we'll have to swing out there to old Waverly and pick up the kids. And hell, I'm still on the first glass of whiskey, so I might have to let make the wife drive. Still on the first glass, probably not the worst idea no, in the world. It's just but fun. I mean, it's not like we can't do this again. That's that's yeah, the nice sure. thing about having garages, heaters, and a little bit of free time. Yeah. So before I let you go, uh, 
You mentioned the sponsors and support that you get the pleasure to represent. Why don't you go ahead and list some of those off that you know you have going into the 2022 season? Well, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, JR1 Chassis uh, with, with Jerry Russell, when he got back into building cars, he's, he's we're right back on the same setups we were running when we were when we were winning back with him originally and, you know, a few years ago and, and uh, Myers Racing Engines. You know, Craig and the boys down there, they build a badass piece. Keeps us up front in the 305s and kept us, you know, kept us pretty consistent in the 362. Uh, KD Trucking, uh, Mr. Yards and more, Hosby Power, Momentum Racing Suspensions, um, Harris Decals, uh, Speedway Graphics, uh, SG Racing, uh, Laid Left Designs. Dickey makes these, uh, makes these cars look really good for me and and the team and Kaiser Wheels, Simpson Racing Products, uh, Smith Repair. I think I think Scott Smith's been with me since I started. A little uh, repair shop down in my grandma's hometown that that does a lot of work out of. He's been supporting me all these years, and you know the the KRL team. I can't thank them enough for giving me the opportunity to drive their car. And I know I might be forgetting somebody here. I'm trying to. <laughs> Well, I know you got to remember what's going on. You know, in this, during the season, you get into kind of a rhythm where you can you can keep up with with who you've got going going with you all the time. And well, I know you and I actually share a sponsor, a new one coming on board for you, um, Dan Taylor over at Taylor yeah, Computers. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the yeah. Um, before I say him, Lutton Lutton Law Office tax season. It's tax season. You got to go see Katrina. She's our lady at Lutton Law. She's one of the the best there is at coming to run. You know. The, we kind of run our, our race team like a small business, and that's how we got it set up as. So we're able to to have some write offs and to have some gains and stuff like that. And and she uh, she definitely does a, a damn good job for us. And Ledger's fiance, right? No, uh, Katrina Harris. Okay, my she, bad. Yeah, she's in. She lives in Waverly, but she's uh, she went to school, got her uh, tax. I want to say her tax law degree. I'm, I'm not sure what that's actually called. What the but, right term is? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the right term is. But she went to work for Lutton Law, and they've been with us for a couple of years now. And she's doing our taxes and doing a great job at it. So, if you need any any tax help or any tax uh, anybody just to do them for you, call her up. She's damn good. And then, like you said, Dan Taylor jumps on board uh, the, the 2022 season and and got us a fire suit. And I I kind of figured that was probably the easiest way to do it. You know, and uh, with having the two cars and, and maybe possibly even having the 410 car put together and, and ready to go, and it was just maybe a little bit easier to wear the suit. And then he, you know, he his first thing is, well, you got to put the thing in victory lane so we can get a picture of it. And I said, well, I'm, I'm damn sure to try that. You know, we didn't we didn't have a whole lot of trouble uh, doing that last year at Eagle, but you know, there's there's always room for a little bit of improvement, and we'll uh, hopefully get that thing up front. And, be able to show it off for the fans and hopefully get some uh, get some more computer work for him, you know, in the door. Absolutely, I th- I think that's a great way for somebody to advertise with a driver. You know, your fire suits not seen when you're in the car, but walking around the pits, you make that grandstand walk, or if there's a driver's introduction, victory lane. You know, there's so many opportunities for that to be seen, or even you know, going down to racing with the stars, yeah, doing stuff like that. You yeah, know? we're wearing, I'm wearing that fire suit, so putting his name on that, I thought was a pretty good idea. Um, yeah, that's you know, just solid marketing. Hitting back at, at some of the supporters, a family member of mine, Chad Wiseman, uh, Whitetail Creations out of uh, Home Improvements out of Hastings. You know, he's kind of 
stepped out and started trying to do his own business there. So he's in the home improvement um, type deal. Uh, Riley Takeoff Tire, Riley Eichenhorst here in town that, that uh, owns Takeoff Tire. Man, that's the best damn tire guy I've ever known. So if that Ford Ranger needs tires when you get your license, you got to take it to Riley. Riley will hook you up. I've actually got a bead leak I want to take in and get fixed up this week, so I have to get the there phone number and the address from yep. you before I leave. Right over there on Highway 77. Uh, have have the Uber, Troy, pick you up, take you over there, get your bead fixed. No, Riley, Riley's built that business. You know, when, when I first started going to him years ago, before he was a partner, I, I went to him because he was just a local guy and, and starting out trying to trying to make it. Those and, are the guys. Uh, it was just him. He was busting his ass. And now I go in there. He's not even. He's really ever there. He's got all these people running around, mountain tires and, and balancing. He's got an office guy now. And man, where's the boss at? He's like, oh well, he's on vacation. I'm like, well, shit, you need to get him back in here so we can start pushing some more tires out the door. There you go. But uh, no, Riley. Riley does a hell of a good job. And like I said, you know, we've just we've got a, a hell of a good group of people that have been behind me for a lot of years and we've got some new people that are coming on board to help us out and and it's just really great to to have that list and to have their support and if i forgot anybody i'm sorry uh, i apologize now but you know like it's just it is greatly appreciated whether uh whether we said you're or whether i said you or not it is it is appreciated everything helps to be able to go up and down the highway and and get these cars ready to go to the track because it costs a lot of money to be able to do it. It, uh, you know, being fortunate enough to have a really good car owner on the 305 side of things, and, and me and the wife being able to to try and operate our 360 and you know possibly the 410 deal. It's it's going to be a huge a huge uh, undertaking, but you know I ain't ever failed yet. I guess I don't want to ever fail, and maybe that's maybe that's just uh, something that Eldon put in me when I was. When I was driving for him, that you say you're going to do it, let's do it. Do what you got to do to get it done. So, absolutely, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it right. And I appreciate you coming on today and doing this show right. This is exactly the kind of atmosphere that I want people to get when they come over to the shed and hang out and do this. You know, kick back, have a conversation, and really get to know a driver better. And Learn not only what got them interested, but what keeps them involved. And to all you listeners out there, I want to thank each and every one of you. If you like what you heard, make sure to like, share, follow Roland Race News, Facebook, Instagram, Anchor, Apple Podcast, Google, Spotify. I mean, it's all there. And I want to thank, once again, Stu Snyder and each and every one of you guys for tuning in. And we'll catch you guys next time on Roland Race News. If I can turn this off.